Sometimes people ask me how to study the Bible. For those who are trying to start, there is a time-tested method that works well for most beginners. Today, I want to introduce you to the Look, Book, Took method of studying the Bible on the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. There are many ways to approach the Bible. Today, I want to talk about a simple method for Bible study. I think too many Christians have not learned how to study the Bible for themselves. I learned this method in junior high school, and I began using it then. In seminary, we learned the exact same method, but we went much deeper with it. And there are three steps. Look, book, took. Step one, look, is also known as observation. Step two, book, is also known as interpretation. And step three, took, is also known as application. So you might call look, book, took by its other name, observation, interpretation, application. So let's take a closer look at each part, and the order of these is actually important. So first, look, observing the text. The first step in the look, book, took method involves a very careful observation of the biblical text. This phase emphasizes close attention to the details, the context, and exploration of literary elements. Here are the methods and principles involved in the look phase. You need to identify key words, repeated phrases, uh, and they, these are the kind of things that serve as anchors for understanding the central themes. Pay attention to the literary devices, such as metaphors and similes and parallelism. These kind of devices contribute to the richness of the text. You should examine the structure of the passage. Uh, see if you can find the organization of ideas. and the, Maybe there's a, a list or a pattern that emerges. Consider the details, such as the time and location and the characters involved. I remember in seminary, we were assigned to make 40 observations of one verse, Acts 1, 8. There could be no interpretation, no application, just 40 observations, things that we observe. Now, there's only 34 words in the verse, and it was really hard to observe 40 different things. But it took me quite a while, but I did it, and everyone else did too. And the next class, we came in and we turned in our papers. And then the professor said, the next assignment, do the next class, is to make 40 new observations of the same verse. We weren't allowed to reuse any of the ones we'd already made. That was much, much harder, and it took me much longer. But in the end, I finally did it. When we turned our papers in again, the third time, he said, 40 more observations. It took an enormous amount of time, but that kind of time forces you to slow down, to look, 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 and look again. This is the foundation of all Bible study. And honestly, it is the easiest to do, as you're about to find out. So that's the look phase. Uh, see what's there, drop your assumptions, see what's actually there. 
Now on to the book phase, interpreting the text. This step requires understanding the meaning of the text within its historical, cultural, and literary context. So a number of aspects here. First, the original languages. If it's possible, you should delve into the original languages, the Hebrew, the Aramaic, or Greek. Understanding the linguistic nuances provides a deeper appreciation. If you are quite familiar with the original languages, it can really help. But if you're not familiar with the original languages, I would suggest not approaching the original languages at all, uh, because there's a ton of errors that people make when they try to use the original languages without understanding how the tools that they're using work properly or how the language actually works. You can do an enormous amount without looking at the original language. It is seriously, it is not necessary. It's helpful if you can do it, but don't pretend. Okay, the second thing you need to look at is the historical and cultural context. Research the historical and cultural background of the passage you're studying. Knowledge of the context helps to bridge the gap between the ancient world and our contemporary understanding. Knowing about clothing or food or occupations or gender roles in that culture can make all the difference when you're trying to understand a particular story or a poem or whatever it is that you're studying. Third, you need to understand the authorship and audience. So investigate the authorship of the book that you're studying and the intended audience. Recognizing the author's purpose and the audience's context informs your interpretation. None of the Bible passages were written in a vacuum. They all have a historical context. Which king was in power? Who was the dominant superpower at the time? What is the purpose that this author is writing this document or singing this song or preaching this sermon? That can really help you to understand what you're reading. Okay, fourth, genre. What is the genre that you're reading and how does it work? The literary rules of interpretation are different for a poem than they are for a law code. And there are many other kinds of genres as, as well. I have an episode of the Gospel Gumbo podcast that talks all about genre if you're interested. It is super important. Fifth, you should consult commentaries. Engage with reputable commentaries that offer insights into the cultural and historical backgrounds of the passage. There's a ton that has been written by historians, sociologists, linguists, and others. You can ask a trusted pastor or spiritual mentor to find good resources along these lines. Six, compare with related, pa related passages. Explore other parts of the Bible that share thematic connections with the passage that you are studying. Cross-references provide a broader biblical perspective. Seventh, remember the consistency of Scripture. Make sure that the interpretation that you're coming to aligns with the broader teachings of Scripture. And that way you can avoid interpretations that contradict established biblical principles. One of the best single resources for this part of good Bible study is a good study Bible. And many, many good ones out there. But my favorite is the ESV Study Bible. It is super thick. And it's the kind of book you probably don't want to carry it around too much, but keep it on your shelf or by your desk. It is amazing and surprisingly affordable for what it is. Um, I'm not getting anything for recommending the ESV Study Bible, but if you don't have it, then you should get it. There are some others like it, but that one is by far the single best resource for Bible interpretation that I know. 
Okay, so we've looked at step one, that's look or observation, and then step two, that's book or interpretation, and now finally, step three, took application. Here, the focus shifts from understanding the text to applying its principles to our lives today. Application looks very different depending on which genre you are studying, and so if you're studying Proverbs, you're going to have a pretty easy time here, but if you're studying Leviticus, it's probably going to be a lot more difficult. Let me give you some principles. Usually, you can find something that Brian Chappell calls the fallen condition focus. That is, as you understand the passage of the Bible that you're reading, how is the fallen condition, the sin, the misery, the pain, the suffering, the same as we experience it today? How can you identify your fallen condition with the fallen condition that you see in the text you're studying? And once you identify that, then it's time to start identifying how God in Christ is redeeming that fallen condition, not only in the text, but then also in your life and in our times now. That may not be immediately obvious in your specific biblical text, but in the broader story, it surely is. So, for example, you might be reading about the horrors of sexual violence at the end of the book of Judges. We are all sexually broken in some way or another, and we are all selfish and indulge in our various lusts. And so there's the fallen condition focus, but where is the redemption? Well, at the end of the book, it says, in those days, there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. Now, that's only a hint, but there is a king coming. In those days, there was no king, ah, but the king is coming, King Saul, and then after him, a much greater king, David. And then even more, the son of David, a king, Christ the Lord, who would rule with righteousness and mercy. Do you see how that works? And you can do that with pretty much any passage. It takes some practice, uh, but you can do it. And one of the best single resources I know of for this sort of gospel-oriented application is called the Gospel Transformation Bible. It's a study Bible. Um, it, It is not as good for Uh, interpreting the text, but for applying the text, it's amazing. The Gospel Transformation Bible. Now, there are some other ways to find good applications, too. Think about what the Bible passage that you're studying is trying to change you. How is it trying to change you? Is it trying to change your emotions? Maybe to be more sad about something good that has been lost. Maybe to be more happy about something that is glorious. Maybe to be angry about injustice. Maybe to be thankful for God's gifts. If the Bible is trying to evoke an emotion in you, meditate on that and move toward that emotion. Maybe the Bible passage you're reading is trying to change your mind. Maybe it's a theology passage that's trying to change your understanding of God's grace or the Trinity or God's holiness. If you find yourself disagreeing with the Bible, maybe you need to change your mind instead of trying to reinterpret On the other hand, if you have skipped the interpretation part of the process, or if you've been lazy with it, you may end up with some pretty wild applications for sure, so be careful about that. But maybe the Bible passage that you're studying is trying to change your behavior. Maybe it's in the Proverbs, or in James, or in the direct teachings of Jesus about money. And in that case, what you should do is repent of your sin, believe in the gospel, and take concrete steps to move into the way of Jesus, into right living. I will say that the look stage can be pretty much done on your own. That's the observations. 
with the encouragement and support of your community. The book stage should certainly be in coordination with others to make sure that you're on the right track. A pastor or other spiritual mentor can be of great help here. But the took stage, this last one, requires a Christian community to do it well. It's not terribly hard to come up with applications, but doing them alone is almost impossible. You will need feedback, confirmation, and support. Our hearts resist correction to the point that we are often unwilling to see what God is telling us clearly. And we need an outside voice to help us respond to the Bible's message appropriately. Other times we see applications that we want to see, but are not really appropriate or good for us. I hope that you are studying the Bible for yourself, and if you're not, you can start today by using the look-book-took method. Observation, interpretation, application. The Word of God is our lifeline. In it we see and find Jesus through the Holy Spirit. I hope that your study of God's Word is fruitful this week. And let's keep studying together, my friends. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Gospel Gumbo Podcast. I would love to make season two, but I need to make sure that it is worthwhile. So I'm paying attention to three things. Downloads, feedback, and money. It costs money to publish a podcast and not a small amount of work. Now, if you'll give me just $5 once, I'll give you your own private podcast link that will have all the episodes from season one without any advertising. Plus, 10 extra bonus episodes. At various levels, you'll also get a lot of other cool stuff. Now, I'm not looking for a subscription, just a one-time purchase that will help me to know that this podcast has been helpful and that you would like me to make another season. Look for the show notes of this episode to find the link to give money. Podcasts are getting gobbled up by big corporations and conglomerates. Independent podcasters like me need your support. Thanks so much.